Happy Sunday, everybody. Good morning. It's Good Morning Vale on TV8. I'm your host, Liz. We have a really exciting two hours for this Sunday for you guys. We are really just going to honor women in athletics. It's going to be a wonderful two hours with lots of great discussions on the roundtable. So sit back, relax. Good Morning Vale for Sunday starts right now. to start off this first beginning of the show to congratulate a lovely lady, Kaylee Gorboyd. She is the brand new owner of Wild Heart Boutique in Edwards. We all know Kirsten and she's been a lovely stable since 2017 in that store. Well, she just had a baby. She has a new experience to be a mama and she went ahead and turned the store over to Kaylee. So let's give her a big welcome and make sure we get on over to the store, which is always affordable over at Wild Heart Boutique in Edwards. Now, also today we have the Vale Farmers Market and Art Show. It's going to be so much fun. Lots of artisans, lots of beautiful fruit, vegetables, and lots of great things that you can do. And we were talking to Claire yesterday about canning. Maybe you can get some peaches and can them for the winter. That's going to take place today from 9.30 until 3.30 in the afternoon in Vail Village. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then I want to give you something to mark your calendars for. It's the Vail Valley Business Women. They are going to be at the Single Tree Community Center, and it's going to be a really wonderful networking experience for all women in business. Food, wine, a special presentation, and a lot of networking, all taking place at the Single Tree Community Center on the 11th of this month at 5:30. If you want to get more information on that, go to vvbw.org. And that's just some of the great things going on here in our community. We'll be right back with more Good Morning Vale on TV8. Lionshead Jewelers Fossil and Mineral Gallery. Located in the heart of Lionshead Village for over a decade, 
Our 4,000 square foot gallery boasts a one-of-a-kind experience that cannot be found anywhere else in Vail. We carry the most exquisite array of fine jewelry, high-end minerals, and museum quality fossils. We invite you to come in and explore all the history and beauty that nature has to offer. Hi, it's Julio from TV8 Vail. Do you ever wonder why our tagline is there's more for you on 92? Because we're always bringing you more. More Good Morning Vail from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. all year long. More local coverage with Vail Vibes and Covered Bridge on TV8. More opportunities to participate with new roundtable panels on Mountain Perspectives and our new Spanish programming block coming this fall. Find us on Comcast Xfinity Channel 92 on YouTube or our website at tv8vail.com. Thank you for watching Good Morning Vale. Have an amazing day. Get on out there, soak up that sunshine. We'll see you tomorrow right here for more Good Morning Vale. Bye, everyone. Hi, I'm Gretchen Bleshaw. You might recognize me from the glitz and glam with Gretchen. Maybe you hear my voice on the radio from time to time or see me out at a concert or two. I love concerts. If you see me out, the long mermaid hair, I'm almost six foot tall. It's hard to miss. Come and say hi. Give me a high five. And make sure to watch me right here on TV8. Our roundtable discussions continue on this beautiful Sunday morning on Good Morning Vale on TV8. I'm Liz, and right now we're going to talk with Corey Crane. She's a female endurance athlete, and she's going to talk about her experience in the Leadville race. Welcome back to Good Morning Vale. I am so honored to have a dear friend, amazing human being, and an inspiration, Corey mm -hmm. Crane, endurance athlete with me 
on the couch this morning. How are you doing, Corey? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Other than I am going to say we both have a little bit of a headache because of the altitude. Or what do you think? The change of I think it's the um, storm moving in. moving in. Barometric pressure. Yes. Uh, I'm glad but, that you know this stuff because I woke well, up and I'm like, what the heck? What the heck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> Corey, I have known you for a couple of years now and I've always been inspired by you physically, mentally, and spiritually. Thank you're you. An, truthfully, you're an amazing human and I want to hear about all the endurance activities you do. I know you're in an awesome runner. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. So uh, my last stop at the studio was in June, yes. and I was prepping for the Leadville 100. Right. So I was interviewed and just kind of told my story about how I got to Leadville and yeah. whatnot. So now we're post-Leadville about six weeks ago. I completed. It was that long ago already. Yes, it seems like yesterday. August, That's wild. I remember the yes, picture. <laughs> August 19th and 20th. Yeah. Um, August 20th, I crossed the finish line in 28 hours, 53 wow. minutes, um, running 100 miles. And Corey, okay, dramatic pause for a moment. Dramatic. <laughs> That's amazing. It was. Oh, um, it was wild. an incredible experience. So, you know, I. I got a coin at the marathon in June of last summer, so 2022, right. and I started working with a coach January 1 of this year, and I was just Wild. very dialed in and focused and knew that I wanted the finish line. You yeah. know, never once did I doubt, oh my gosh, I can't do this. What the heck did I sign up for? Why am I that here? Picture. I'm sorry, that is oh, epic. Yeah. I just, yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's my finish line picture. How do you um, look so happy and so well, put together? Well, <laughs> that was part of my strategy. So I yeah. told my team, I emailed my team about two weeks before the start of the race, and I just kind of dialed them in with how I wanted the race to go, how okay. I envisioned it. So the entire eight months that I trained, I envisioned this red carpet finish line, which is on 6th and Harrison in Leadville. If anybody's been there, you're familiar with it. But I knew I would get the finish. Right. So I told my team, you know, kind of estimated times for each cutoff at each aid station, what I wanted. And I told them I wanted to finish strong running with a smile. Oh, so that's exactly that. what I did. So the last point nine of the 100 miles is called the party mile. Okay. So you turn on to 6th Street and it's an uphill finish. <laughs> I love how but, you did that. That's why you did it in quotes. You're yeah. like, it is not a party. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So you hit the pavement and you can see and you can hear the crowds in wow. Leadville. And it just brings so much energy. So yeah. uh, my dear friend, Emily Slonick, she was pacing me that last 23 miles, but she told me, she whispered in my ear, she goes, go for it. And so I just oh. put down a really fast last party mile. And that's me finishing with a smile, finishing strong, just how I wanted. I love And that. it was, it was just incredible. I had just finished something that I worked so hard for. Yes. I was very dedicated. I was focused. Um, they well, gave us these beautiful medals. It was actually it's in its 40th year, which I'm a big medal collector when yes, you race. Yes, that's gorgeous. But, um, Leadville does a great job. The Lifetime Leadville Trail Series does a great job with um, their medals. So. And they're zoomed in. You can see her cool oh, bracelet, yeah. too. I love yeah, that. Yeah, so I told my team, um, basically, let's just have fun with this. You know, I knew Best I was going to be putting my body through enough stress running 100 miles in one distance. And right. so my team showed up ready to rock. You know, a good friend of mine made this little bracelet says Leadville. I want one. has the word <laughs> courage on it. And, uh, you know, I just had fun with it. I didn't want any stress. Right. I wanted every aid station to be fun. And so I had different friends at different times. 
Um, my dear friend Ashley picked me up at mile 63, and oh. she ran me for a section through the middle of the night. And Corey, mile 63. Like, yeah. I just when you're saying this so lightly, I'm like, mm, I could run one mile maybe. Yeah. At this point. Well, you work you work up towards <laughs> right. it, right? No, you know. I love so that. I had a big summer. You know, when I was here in June, I was training for my right. bigger runs and. I, you slowly build up to it. So June, I had a marathon. July, I had a 50-miler. And then right. August, a 100-miler. But, you know, it's, we just, I hope pass is the infamous, you know, big 25-mile section of the That's race. Wild. And I knew I wanted to complete that in around eight hours. Okay. And I was right at eight hours, 15 minutes. Wow. So the entire time climbing Hope Pass from Twin Lakes over to Winfield, which is the 50-mile mark. Okay. And then back over to mile 63. I just pretended so I was skiing, you know, I, I was touring uphill, you know, I was talking to people, yes. we were encouraging each other. You know, you see a lot of people that are just in a really dark place and right. you just kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, come on, get up, you know, follow me, stay on my heels. And See, and I have so much to say about this. First of all, I love that you manifest your destiny oh, and yeah. I love that you're envisioning and so much of what you're speaking about, you can take towards any piece of life, right? right. But I also have to say, I love that you're such a ray of light and I feel like you are that oh, human. Thanks. No, but truly like yeah. when people, you see them kind of struggling, I feel like you would be, like you said, that person to bounce up to them and be like, all right, let's do this together. Let's, you know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, inevitable in life. We're all right. going to have down moments, but it's 100%. if you can have that ray of light, like you just stated, right. with somebody, whether or not to go for a walk or have right. a cup of coffee yeah. or just, you know, hang out with somebody with a positive influence, you're going to turn that frown upside down, right? So, Corey, I was just wondering because obviously this is a big thing for anyone to do, right? At any point in oh, their yeah. life. What is like, I guess the peach in the pit, like what was your big aha moment where you were just so like, I'm assuming finishing, but yes. also, you know, and what was the hardest part of that race or like mentally preparing or yeah. Sure. So my mantras, I, um, just, I wrote down, I had in my mind, but have fun. Okay. <clears throat> run smart and be patient. hundred miles in 28 hours is, wow. you know, all night. You don't have time to sleep when you have a 30 hour cutoff. How does that work? Do you, does your brain start to like play tricks on you? Do you see? Yeah, that? You, I mean, you definitely start <laughs> saying some silly, crazy stuff, but you might see a car that's been parked for 30 years and think it's moving or whatnot, yeah. you know, a little bit of hallucination. Cause it but is a mind game at that it point. Is. Too. Yeah. yeah. And your mind is, you know, Endurance running at that mileage, it's about 80% mental, right. you know? Okay. So you put the training down, and like I said, the entire eight months I was training, I never once thought, this is silly. Why am I doing this or whatnot? I envisioned that red carpet. I knew, knew I wanted the finish line. Right. So the whole time I was running with my team, we oh, made it fun. You know, we yeah. showed up in the middle of the night with glow sticks and oh, music. Fun. and cool. Um, my friend painted a canvas sign that had my bib number oh, and my name. Cool. So a greeter would find me as I was running in because I wouldn't know where my team was set up. Oh, and then they okay. would run in front of me with a sign. So oh, wow. everybody was cheering for me. I'm like, how the heck do they know my name? Oh, and so, so the cool. energy of the crowds was just Adrenaline, going strong. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. And cool. so, and I'm kind of a night owl. I enjoy training at night okay. you know, I put a headlamp on and I cool. ski at night, I run at night, um, I have my dog with me, so I'm safe. Yes, I but love that. But it's, um, 
I mean, you train for that. You train right. for middle of night sessions. So you and, know what you're getting into. Exactly. Okay. And I think that was a huge factor in my success too, because I, I was ready to go for the, through the night and right. it was fun. You know, it's beautiful. It's different at night. You know, you see, I'm assuming, yeah, the energy's different. Energy's just, yeah. different and you're tired, but you know, you push through that mental and physical fatigue right. and you know that I remember asking my friend Ashley, who was pacing me from 63 to 77, I said, how many miles do we have left? She goes, you have less than a marathon. Wow. And I thought to myself, that's great. That's a training day for me. Right. A long, a oh. long run day. So I knew I had <laughs> I'm just it. just laughing because for me, I'm like, that would be a huge yes, moment, Corey. <laughs> I knew I had it in the bag. I knew it was, you know, and so, and then to cross that finish line and to see Ken and Marilee, who are the original founders 40 years ago of oh, wow. Leadville 100. Oh, and cool. You get the medal put around your neck and they announce your name and, you know, I thought I'd be just exhausted, but I was just so Energized. high on an yeah. adrenaline. And in fact, even when I got back to our rental house that day in Leadville, I wasn't, I took a shower, obviously, but other right. than that, I was just so pumped. I was so, so excited. And I turned my phone on and I had 77 text messages Aww. and calls and I just had a huge support network, which I, I think is another um, factors to success, obviously, with anything in life, right? Right. So. Well, Corey, we are so excited to have you here. I feel like we need to have you back. Oh, I have well, so thanks. many more questions for you. But where can people kind of follow you and check out your story? Sure. And, yeah. Yeah. So, um, as with any, you know, thing going on these days, I am on Instagram under Colorado Corey. Okay. And other than that, I'd love to be back another time. Yeah. To we will. We definitely Chat will. endurance. So. Well, thank you, Corey. And thanks for being such an inspiration to all of us. And we have more here for you on Good Morning Vale. So keep it right here. Good morning, Vale. Good morning, Vale. When people think of world-class destinations, they're drawn to a place that provides opportunities for fine dining, shopping, superior lodging, exciting events, and unparalleled outdoor activities. Park City, Utah and Vail, Colorado are renowned destinations for travelers and extraordinary homes for residents. Feature your exceptional products and services in these two luxury communities. Advertise with Park City Television and TV8 Vail. Contact us today. Nap Harvest, your local marketplace for fresh, locally produced products. Our indoor farmer's market is open seven days a week, featuring locally grown organic produce, prepared meals, honey from our nap nectar hive, furniture, cutting boards, and much more. We source and sell locally grown and produced products from the Vale and Roaring Fork Valleys. Visit us at our new location in Eagle Ranch, 717 Sylvan Lake Road, next door to Color Coffee Roasters. Do you love the outdoor lifestyle? Make sure you tune in every day at 8 p.m. to catch Scoreboard Nation. It's an outdoor lifestyle show dedicated to your three favorite mountain towns, Vail Beaver Creek, Park City, and Reno Tahoe. Join us for an incredible venture. Find us on TV8 Vail, Park City Television, or at thescoredboardnation.com. We can't wait to see you there. I'm Ben Belgrad, and I'm the owner of Drinking Vessels here at Backcountry Studios in Minturn. And I've been in the valley for seven years, 
Um, I moved to the Valley because a friend helped me to get my vision off the ground, building my glass studio here, um, and being so close to snowboarding. So here at the studio, we're acting as a broker for 50 to 100 artists from around the country. We also offer glassblowing classes, and we bring many artists from around the country here to be able to work and create art collaboratively and be so close to skiing and all the activities we have here in the valley. Here at Drinking Vessels, we specialize in handmade glass drinkware from artists around the country and around the world. Some of these are produced as more of an item you could get in sets and kind of get different color options as time goes on. And some of these are completely one of a kind uh, and really high-end art that's unlike anything people have seen before. While I'm an artist myself here at the studio, I'm representing between 50 and 100 other artists from around the country. And most of these artists are able to spend most of their time working on their art while we help handle their marketing and their sales and the distribution and representation, allowing them more time to focus on their art. That's really my privilege in running this business is creating that support and providing that platform for this big group of artists that are part of a movement that's very important to me. It's a great day to honor women in athletics. So now the roundtable continues, and we are going to go right now to Mountain Perspectives. Welcome to Mountain Perspectives, where we take a deep dive into fascinating topics. I'm your moderator, uh, Kristen Ulmer. I was a former professional athlete, considered the best woman big mountain extreme skier in the world for 12 years. I was also voted to be the most uh, fearless woman athlete in North America by the outdoor industry. Currently, I'm a thought leader on fear and anxiety and author, and I also am a mindset sports coach. So we have a fascinating group of really cool women here with me today, and we're all just so impressed with each other. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back in just a little bit and meet these wonderful women and discuss what their experience has been as professional athletes and uh, give you some fascinating takeaways for your own life. So see you back in a bit. Welcome back to Mountain Perspectives. We're here to discuss women in athletics, and we have a pretty interesting group of women here. I'm going to have you guys introduce yourself. Um, so we have Alice here, and we have Megan here, and then also Bailey. So why don't we start with you, Alice? Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what your background is? Thank you. Thank you for having me this morning. So my name's Alice. I grew up in Indiana, South Bend. So as much as I wanted to be a ski racer when I grew up, I didn't really have that there. So golf was my go-to sport and uh, played growing up. Wasn't allowed to play on the high school team because I was the only girl playing. Um, went to college, played on a men's golf team. Was able to fight my way onto the men's golf team and then was recruited to Oklahoma State to play Division I at Oklahoma State at a 
high level, we were top five in the country. And so I was very lucky. People gave me a lot of opportunity along the way without having much background. So, uh, But I've lived in Vail for 30 years, currently work at the Vail Golf Course, director of golf there. I've been there for 16 years. Welcome to the panel. Thank you. Okay, Megan. Hi, um, my name is Megan Buchanan, and um, I, I'm a jack of all trades. Um, what I am known for recently is I've completed the seven summits, which is the highest peak on every continent, and I am soon to become the fifth woman to complete the Explorer's Grand Slam, which is the seven summits and then last degree ski to the North and South Pole. Um, it, it wasn't really something that I knew I was going to do when I was younger. Uh, I actually was diagnosed with dyslexia very, very young. Um, it was a great challenge. I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment and really knocked my self-esteem and the outdoors was my therapy. And so I would go hiking with my father and it was something I was just naturally so good at and I loved. And that is what helped build my self-confidence. And so growing up older, um, I took on the challenge to become an aerospace engineer. Uh, that was a challenge on its own. And all through that time, again, climbing mountains, uh, the 14ers of Colorado was my home away from home. And it was, again, where I would work through everything and keep moving forward. It wasn't really until I had a horrendous snowboarding accident here in Vail and was told that I would have a cane and wheelchair the rest of my life after shattering my femur, that I really dug in deep within myself to pull myself out of that recovery. And I wanted to go climb Kilimanjaro again, which I had done. And it was a piece of cake for me because I was so mentally strong. And then that is what set me on this journey to do the seven summits in the North and South Pole. And so um, I am a Vail Valley uh, resident, um, was full-time, now I'm kind of back and forth a couple places, but this is, this is where I always find my, my base camp and my roots and come back to. All this and you're an aerospace engineer. <laughs> During the, the daytime, yes, yes, yes. That's my day job, pays bills. So, so my ex-husband is an aerospace engineer. I'll still hang out with you anyway. Okay, thank you. Yes. All right, yes. Bailey, let's I'm talk Bailey. to you. Um, I've lived in the valley my whole life, and I grew up skiing. Like, that was what I did. I became an alpine ski racer. I went to the Ski and Snowboard Academy, and kind of, like, that was my life. That's what I wanted to do. Like, I didn't even want – people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I was, like, pro professional athlete. And um, so I did that, and I made the U.S. ski team, and it was great. And then COVID hit, and I – kind of was like my heart kind of wasn't in it anymore. I started biking a lot, loved the endurance aspect and kind of fell in love with it. And so it was a big, hard decision, but I, you know, I, it was hard because I had a lot, a lot of people down, but also I was wanting to follow my heart. And so I changed and the past few years, I've just been training so hard. And this past year I got on a national team. And so just working my way up <laughs> and trying to get to that national level and hopefully do some World Cups and, yeah. So, <laughs> What do you think it is about endurance sports that you like so much more? I love that you can push yourself so hard and you can work so hard in training and, like, no matter what, it's rewarding. Like, in ski racing, like, it comes down to, like, like tenths of a second and you know the smallest mistake you're done you're out and you would have worked so hard all year whereas like endurance like 
in a race, something could happen, and you can get it back. Like, you have time, and, and you, ha you know, have that confidence that you train so hard that you have the fitness um, to do well. And so it's definitely, it's, it's a cool challenge, and it's very fascinating to be around girls that work so hard as well. So I like it. I just enjoy it. What I find interesting about endurance sports is they, like with Tough Mudder and Spartan, yeah. they've become so much more popular. And I think it's yeah. because people don't have enough challenge in their lives. And they want to yeah. go through that suffering that we don't really yeah. have to feel in America. Like we don't really suffer that much here. And it's like we have to self-impose it upon ourselves. Yeah. And um, it, uh, I have a great quote. It doesn't have to be fun to be fun. Like it's not yeah. fun what you're doing, but you're having no. fun. Yeah, there's, like, <laughs> there's some hard days, but it's like addicting, you know, like every time... Yeah, I mean, most like most of my races this year haven't gone great, but it's like that one that goes good, or you know, that one training session where you just feel so fast and and kind of back to yourself. Like it's rewarding and it's addicting, and I think like yeah, like it's not always fun. Like it it hurts and it can be very very hard, but it's like that's the fun part. I think um, enjoying that. It's hard understand sometimes but <laughs> right and these sports are addiction but then you have to wonder like is it the sport that's addicting or is it the place that the sport takes us that's addicting and for me it was always yeah. the the place that I went to in my life experience like in my mind in my body that was addicting not yeah. the skiing itself does yeah. that feel I feel like that familiar? too like it's it's like I love being on my bike like recently I've really learned to kind of take a step back and look around and not always look at my handlebars and look at my power and my, you know, my hours and everything. Like, I've just learned to look around, and I, I love it, and it's, it's beautiful, and I, like, I love to see where my bike takes me, and the places that we race are insane. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it's definitely been a journey and been, I don't know, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Alice Plain, um, and actually we can all answer this question. What does it take to be an elite athlete? Why don't you start? You know, there are quite a few things that I think it takes to be a professional athlete and a successful one. You know, first you need the passion. And it's so fun to sit here next to Bailey and she's at the beginning of her professional path and professional career. And you really have to believe in yourself and, and not listen to the chatter out there of people saying, oh, well, really, are you gonna really do this another year? You know, you have to believe in yourself, and, and if it's your dream, your vision, you don't want anyone to get in your way, and you want to, you have to sacrifice things, but you definitely, if you feel it in yourself, you really want to pursue that and not let anything get in your way, really, and that's very important. Did it come naturally for you to believe in yourself, or did you have to choose to believe in yourself? So, you know, that's a great question. I, I played a lot of sports. I was really just a jock growing up. So I played soccer, um, you know, golf. I played with all the boys and, you know, and I, I did, I was good. I could beat the boys, which always made me feel good. And so I did have confidence, but um, I did play professionally for a bit. And, you know, dealing for me was challenging dealing with the highs and the lows. So I've worked so hard I get into an event. Um, I remember playing at the Colorado Open I was a professional then, play there, it's my home state, new home state, and, uh, and I really struggled. And it was, it was hard to, to feel defeated 
So those dealing with those highs and lows, I think, is very challenging. And trying to figure out, know that they could come, and, and knowing how to manage those highs and lows. And, and it's important to accept those failures and learn from those and know that you're going to have those, because that just makes you so much better. So I think there's a lot to it to be a successful professional athlete. And I don't know ba Bailey very well, but <laughs> I know she's going to be successful. And it's fun. It's going to be fun to watch you in your future. Yeah. <laughs> Similar question. When you were experiencing the lows, did it come naturally for you to accept them? Or did you have oh, to work on that? Not. No, it was really hard. It what, was really hard. Um, what was your process to get to the place of acceptance? You know, for me, I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have really much of a team around me. I had some friends, a little bit of family, but it was really just kind of self-reflecting. I actually got on my bike. I love being on my bike, so that kind of was a good release for me. Like, um, trying to figure out that playing golf and my score didn't reflect me as a person. But when you're in it, it's just so hard. So for me, it was a little bit of time and getting back to the grind, getting on my bike, doing some other things that weren't specifically related to you know competing in golf. Um, but that was that was by far the hardest thing for me to go through. Three years I was playing professional golf and dealing with those highs and lows are the, the hardest. I'm a very positive person, so when things didn't go my way, it was like I was kind of down in the dumps. It's not just in athletics, too. I was just talking right. to my niece yesterday. She's a high-level soccer player. Not even unre unrelated to the soccer. She's just lost right now and miserable. And I'm like, your job right now is to be lost and miserable. She's like, oh. <laughs> right. It's like we just have to work through some stuff on our bike sometimes and right. just feel lost and miserable and like a complete failure. Right, right. <laughs> or a fraud or... And then uh, I'll come back. Yeah, and then, then you know, you come back. <laughs> All and right. you come back better and stronger yeah. if you can get through those times. And yeah. it's, it's part of it. It's part of being a professional athlete. It's, but, that, journey, so it's that journey. And you're talking about how you're, you're starting to pick up on this journey you're about to go on. And uh, to be a professional athlete, I think you need to be aware of the mental journey. Of you are gonna, it is not about just your body and performance you keep going with that consistency because you mentally learn how to pull yourself back. And for me, I've summed it up into grit, which is, to me, it's gratitude, growth, resilience, integrity, and tenacity. And that's how you get through it. That gratitude to be able, no matter where you're in those highs or the lows, to be able to pick up and focus on what you're grateful for at that moment. And that helps build your positivity back up the growth is being willing to rebuild again, be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to take on new skills. Like when I wanted to up my game from, you know, uh, hiking Kilimanjaro is, it's a long hike, it's not technical. And when I really wanted to put on my big girl pants and become a technical climber, I had to learn how to ice climb. I had to learn all my rope skills, everything. And I was brand new at it, and I sucked. <laughs> and it's willing to push your through yourself through that discomfort to get to where you want to be. And the resilience to get back up a million times over and over again. Integrity, I think, for me in anything we do, to hold on to integrity within yourself, to speak up for yourself, to speak up for others. 
And all, you get through all of that and that growth cycle over and over again with tenacity. Just that tenacious burn in your belly. And listening to every single one of you, every single one of you has that. We get that burn in our belly of, I know this is what I should be doing. And we, we choose to do it, to get back up every single time. And to me, it's that grit is how you become, you know, you achieve the extraordinary. Love that. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I find that everybody is different, though. It's not a one-size-fits-all experience. Because for me, like gratitude or getting to positivity, that's not what worked for me. Like, I, I remember one time, I, it was a competition where I better win or else I was going to lose my status as the best in the world. And it was the best of two runs. And after the first run, I wasn't winning. I played it too safe. I didn't take enough risks. And I had two hours to think about it. And I was uh, disgusted of myself. I had imposter syndrome. I was afraid. I, I, I thought maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I was. But all of these you know, fear, anger, disgust, all of that were emotions that motivated me and drop by drop. Instead of trying to get to positivity, like, I've got this. I didn't do any of that. It's like my anger made me right or wrong and my fear. I was more afraid of not winning this competition than of jumping off a 70-foot cliff onto hard pack in the 90s on skinny skis. So I, that's what I went and did. And it's like drop by drop by drop, my negativity um, turned me into a mighty river. And I, and I did the run, and I was in a flow state and, and uh, took uh, seventh overall for the men. And it was, and one for the women. Um, so it's like everybody I feel nice. has a different, like grit, tenacity <laughs> is yours. But for yeah. me, just being in the mess that is my life at that time as motivation for me to perform. And so one thing that I'm noticing here is because, Bailey, you're 20 years old. Yes. We're all like wanting to give you, you know, like yeah. perspective. <laughs> life so a lot of what we're talking about is like focusing back on you and maybe for the audience too, focusing back on anyone that's young, that's listening, that's thinking about becoming a professional athlete or who really is passionate about a sport and who knows what the possibilities are. But here you are, you're 20, you know, what for you makes you so great at what you're doing at such a young age? Yeah. I mean, honestly, this past year, I've just learned so much. Like, I've had a lot of, you know, failure, and I think, uh, you know, having that 10-second memory, <laughs> but also learning from all the experiences and taking what was good and letting, you know, learning from what was bad and how I can change that um, has been really great, but, you know, it's definitely... It definitely has its challenges. Like, I'm not... I'm, with, I'm like you. I'm, I'm not great at it. I'm very hard on myself and you know you work so hard and then you don't get what you want and it's so like oh my god I give up so much for this sport and it's like ah oh, that one little thing was off you know but you know you just gotta keep going and I think that you know remembering why you do it um, just makes all the difference but so. what do you think of this uh, the best athletes are never satisfied I believe it. I mean, I feel like even, like, I've won races before. Like, when I was skiing, I've won races, and I've been, like, oh, but I, I, it's because there was, like, not a lot of competition here. Or it's because, you know, you just start coming up with reasons, like, no, that's, that's not right. Like, someone crashed or something, or someone else had something, so they would have, you know? Like, you kind of second-guess it, and I think that, like, but that's good. You, like, need that. Like, you can't 
expect to win every time, like, and, you know, where are you going to go if you're not wanting more, you know, even if you're winning? I used to love that phrase, stay humble, stay hungry. Yeah. It's like, I think when you're younger, I think as you get, and it's so funny that you say that, like we're all kind of, I think, I think we all want to mentor because we're older and we didn't necessarily have a female mentor. And I know it's something, I, I, it's so important to, to help give advice or answer questions to people younger for, for us. And that stay humble, stay hungry, you know, talking about skiing versus mountaineering is so different because me taking risks, that's not good. <laughs> like, like that's a thing where, whereas I've gotten older too, I've, you've got to get to this almost Zen place in your life of, so that you are much more um, based off of, yeah, that positivity and gratitude is hungry and humble. And, and yeah, it is, depends on the sport, depends on your age, where you're at. But we were just talking about before too, the, the always wanting more. And that's something that I'm mentally really going through right now because I've achieved a goal I wanted to do. And in the back of my head, it's what's next. And I'm playing with doing another 8,000 meter peak. It gets dangerous and you get older and it's not, it's not if, it's when, and you're caught in an avalanche or you're caught in something. And so, but that drive to keep finding that next challenge is always there. And I'm just hoping they can make very intelligent decisions and maybe kind of put it into something else instead of really high mountains from now on. But I don't know, I'm, I'm going through that journey right now, mentally. <laughs> well, we're gonna explore what's next in just a little bit with Mountain Perspectives. Take a little break, see you soon. Did you know that all Eagle County residents and visitors can get a free Eagle Valley Library District card? All you need is a photo ID. You get our online databases and resources, free music, free streaming, all from wherever you have internet access. Free audiobooks and e-audiobooks straight to your phone. Go into your Eagle Valley Library District branch today and get your library card. Familia, estamos muy emocionados de por fin presentarles nuestro nuevo programa completamente en español, Conexión Latina, que se estrena este lunes 21 de agosto a partir de las 7 de la tarde. Por el momento, el programa se transmitirá los lunes, miércoles y viernes de 7 a 7 y media de la tarde, con una repetición de 7 y media a 8. Así que no hay excusas para perdértelo. Te recuerdo que puedes sintonizar nuestra programación a través del canal 92 de Comcast nuestra página web cvadel.com y nuestra página de Facebook CBA Conexión Latina. Acompáñanos en esta nueva aventura llena de información y entretenimiento local. No te lo pierdas. Well, Archer and I are going to get headed on further down the trail, but I hope you'll catch up with us a little bit later. Hi. I'm Ben Roof and I'm one of the new hosts here at TV8. I'm so excited to share all of my explorations throughout the Vale Valley with my dog Archer, where we'll be taking you to hiking trails, biking trails, maybe we'll go rafting, fishing, or whatever else we can come up with. I'm so excited to share all of that with you in my new segment, Outdoor Adventures. Don't forget to catch up with us every day right here at TV8 Vale 
or at TV8Vail.com because there's always more for you on 92. Do you have an interesting hobby or skill you'd like to share for Vail Valley? We want to hear from you. We're looking for people to share their musical, artistic, culinary, woodworking, athletic, or technical talents on Good Morning Vail. If you'd like to share your talents with the community, email danielle at tvavail.com. Join the community conversation. There's more for you on 92. Experience the beauty of fall on the rails of the Leadville Railroad. Take in the cool mountain breeze as you climb to 11,000 feet to watch the vibrant reds, oranges, and golds of fall come alive. Enjoy delicious hot beverages, learn some history, and relax with family and friends. Even your pets can enjoy a ride on the train. Offering daily trips, the weekend specials sell out fast. To secure your seat, book today at LeadvilleRailroad.com. Perspectives. I'm your moderator, Kristen Ulmer. We're talking to women in athletics. Next question. Uh, what is your worst experience in sports? Alice, why don't we start with you? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I played golf, so it's not that super exciting, but I alluded to it a little bit uh, being back in Colorado, playing in the Colorado Open, and, you know, I, I didn't play well. I was super defeated. I had a lot of family and friends out there, and so... You know that that was a really hard experience for me, and it but it did it it changed my perspective a little bit. Like, okay, I'm gonna just keep going and and uh, turn things around next time I'm playing in the Colorado Open. But um, nothing dangerous. I don't play a super super dangerous sport uh, unless I get hit by a golf ball. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's dangerous if your self esteem is tied to your performance. True. Yes, that's true. Good point. Um, I was lucky enough to have an amazing college golf coach. I still am in touch with her today. She's 82 years old. And she, you know, she didn't really know golf that well, actually, the golf swing. And certainly those that's changed. That was back in the late 80s. With technology, we've changed how we understand the golf swing. But she was really good at working on our mental game. And we were a very good team. We, we finished third in nationals in 1988. Should have won a couple national championships, but 
we were all good, talented golfers, but she really taught us how to deal with our mental side of the game. And, and golf certainly is a huge mental game. And, uh, and she was ahead of her time. And she's actually getting recognized with some nice accolades now. She was so far ahead of her time. I mean, there weren't any other coaches doing what she was doing at that time at Oklahoma State. So, you know, she really started me on a good path. And then I didn't turn professional until eight years after I gra graduated. So she was still, you know, with me and giving me support. And I also worked with quite a few sports psychologists, which was also not as popular today, any PGA golfer, LPGA player, they have a sports psychologist on their team. And, uh, you know, there's, your mind is so powerful. So certainly with golf, it was, it's a game changer. I mean, it's, it's something that if you, if you're not in the right mental state mind, when you're playing, you're not going to have a successful round of golf. So what was her predominant message that was so ahead of its time? You know, the one thing, Bailey alluded to this, having a 10-second memory, but she was, I'm not going to say any profanities on air, but <laughs> she didn't want us to, you know, if we hit three or four bad shots or they came in a cluster, she's like, you don't want to carry that bag of with you all the way around the course. You know, it's going to get heavier and heavier. You've got to let that stuff go. If you hit a bad shot, you know, don't carry it with you. You've got to just... Keep on going and looking forward and, and being in the present. I mean, present tense, not looking, oh, gosh, if I play well, maybe I'll shoot par today. She was like, no, it's the one shot that you're taking. It's the one hole you're playing. Nothing else is coming into play. Stay in the present. So a couple things about that. First of all, um, we say that sports are 90% mental. But I want to say that the other 10% is mental, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's all mental. Right? Yeah, but really, actually, when you dig deeper, it's 0% mental. It's, it's when you leave the mind behind and you tap into some other part of us, our bodies, our, for me, emotions. Uh, like a, a flow state is the present, or it is mindless. There's a lot of talk about mindfulness, but I actually am a big fan of mindlessness because that's really, for me, what worked the best. So maybe, Bailey, yeah. you want to comment on this? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of, as an endurance athlete, like, your mind can take over your body. And I think when you're present, um, that kind of lets your mind go away, like all your thoughts, and then your body can focus because... When you're pushing yourself, like, so hard over its limits, like, the second you have a tiny thought of, like, maybe someone passed you just now or, you know, maybe you crashed a little or put your foot out or something like that, something happens, then your mind just, like, you're, it's so much easier for something, easier to, something to happen. And then your body just kind of lets go. I think if you're more present and calm, then your body has more room to do what it needs to do and use the correct energy um, <laughs> instead of your mind. Because, like, even for me, like, I've had a lot of instances this past season where I've been like, oh, my God, I literally just let my mind take over. And I know I'm fit, and I should have kept going and all these things, but I'm, like, learning that. Like, I let my head kind of just take over my body. 
And I think being present and focused, like it's hard. Like you'll have a thought that like passes through your head and you'll be like, and I think acknowledging that it's just a thought and it's like not what actually is going to happen or, you know, thinking we, we think about the future, like, oh, this girl's going to pass me and then I'm going to get like fourth or fifth or whatever. And um, I think, you know, not letting that happen and being like, okay, I'm riding my own race. I'm going to push myself as hard as I can. I'm not going to worry about the people watching on the sideline. I'm not going to worry about the person who's in front of me that's having a good race or the person that's behind me or anything like that, I think. It's, it's, been, it's a challenge, but I think it's, like, really important. And it's, but it's hard to learn, <laughs> especially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like um, don't think of the purple elephant. Yeah. Don't think of the person in front of me. Yeah. Don't think of the person yeah. on my butt, right? And we have 50 thoughts per minute. Yeah. And in a 60-minute race, or your races are a lot longer than that. I mean, how many thoughts is that? And how many of them can we ultimately really even control? Exactly. And if we're spending our time on the bike trying to control our thoughts, then where are we, uh, yeah, too? Exactly. So it's, it is challenging. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that there's definitely a lot of emphasis on control. Yeah. But what if we just let our mind do its thing? And uh, I don't know. When you're um, climbing a mountain... What, what is your mind doing? I mean, this, it's totally different. I was just thinking, as you're talking, like, I'm not racing someone else. Yeah. I'm racing weather. I'm racing heat, cold. I'm racing, um, I'm not racing an individual usually. And for me, I need my mind working and being present, but I need to be calculating. I need to be really thinking about things. And it's such an endurance sport, and the training that goes into it is again. You're you're just hours on the mountain, just hiking. All you have to all you have is your thoughts. Listen to a lot of podcasts. Listen to a lot of music, but that's part of it. Where, um, and you're talking about like how your the negative voices that did drive me when I'm I'm younger. We all still have those negative voices, but I had to learn as part of doing this sport how to not have those negative voices or shut those out, let those go, and only allow the positive ones in because I do have so much time to be thinking. And so, yeah, it, it is really interesting. And like, so the hardest, so the hardest, I don't have a hardest time. You will have uh, instances where you'll have an injury or you might have the worst nightmarish blisters that are just horrible, but you gotta patch it up and you gotta keep going because no one's coming to get you. And, but you keep moving, you keep going, you work through pain. The hardest time I've ever had was a mental, it was a mental breakdown. And it was when I was on Everest in 2021. And that was my first attempt on Everest. And I didn't realize how those conditions were going to eat my body. And during a rotation where you go up from like base camp to, to rotate to the higher camps to, to acclimatize, my body would drop so much weight. It was just eating itself. And I, can't, I could not keep enough calories in. And I am... I am always up at the head of the pack with all the men hiking. I'm, I, I've always been so proud of that. I have never turned away from a hike. And I had gotten down from a rotation, and I went to go to do a day hike, and I, my, my energy was down to like 25%. I had to turn back. And I went to my tent. I was just bawling. And those negative voices all came in. And it's like, what are you even doing on this mountain? You are not good enough. Why are you here? What were you thinking? And all that came in. And I was just like, you've... <laughs> I just had this moment with myself where the other voice came back and I was like, girl, you are a dyslexic that became an aerospace engineer. You are literally climbing Mount Everest right now. If you are not good enough for yourself right now, I, I don't know how to help you. Like you need, I, you need to pick 
your crap up. <laughs> and so that, that driving voice, that it did come in. It's like, pick yourself up and go do this. Eat more food, whatever you need to do. But I've had enough. If you are not good enough for yourself right now, I am done with you. And my tears turned to laughter in my tent by myself. And literally that breakdown was my breakthrough. And that was the day in 2021, as me as a 40-something-year-old woman, I was finally good enough for myself. And that has stayed with me. And so that those negative voices do drive you, but I come right back in with a like, nope, not today, Satan. We're moving forward. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, so two yeah. things. First of all, I just, my brain just connected the dots of dyslexia and aerospace engineer. That is, that's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I would, I'd like to climb Everest any day over that. Usually, because like, <laughs> aerospace engineer, if if it's 0.0001 off, it explodes on launch, right? Yeah. Like, and if you, okay. So then the second thing is, I one time tried to climb and ski Cho Oyu, and I got up to about 23,000 feet, yeah. and I'm like, oh hell no. Yeah. Like the, I'm not going any further. I I don't have what that takes. I have what it takes to risk my life skiing something yeah. that lasts, you know, five minutes. But I don't have, I just don't have that thing that you just described where I'm like, my, my brain was like, this is stupid. I'm going home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I can <laughs> but look at you, what you're doing. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I can never so, do that. <laughs> so it's like, these are all yeah. just different skill sets. So different. I, I'm, I would be a terrible golfer. It's like, and, and I'm a, I went mountain biking the other day. I'm terrible at it. And you think skiing and mountain biking, anyway. But it's like, we can become really, really good at one thing or two things or, you know, but, um, I really feel like honing in on just one thing that just complements all of your gifts and, and all of your personality traits and all of your, you know, childhood wounds and all that. You know, it's like the perfect storm and we have yeah. you and we have perfect storm and we have you. Yeah. Perfect storm and we have you. Hmm. That's a lovely analogy. I really like that. I know. <laughs> this is very We're exciting. perfect little storms. <laughs> all right. So for the people who are listening, I know you're all athletic people. Like, have you picked the sport that is the perfect storm for you and your personality? We're going to take a little break. See you back in a little bit. <laughs> Nap Harvest, your local marketplace for fresh, locally produced products. Our indoor farmer's market is open seven days a week, featuring locally grown organic produce, prepared meals, honey from our nap nectar hive, furniture, cutting boards, and much more. We source and sell locally grown and produced products from the Vale and Roaring Fork Valleys. Visit us at our new location in Eagle Ranch, 717 Sylvan Lake Road, next door to Color Coffee Roasters. Experience the beauty of fall on the rails of the Leadville Railroad. Take in the cool mountain breeze as you climb to 11,000 feet to watch the vibrant reds, oranges, and golds of fall come alive. Enjoy delicious hot beverages, learn some history, and relax with family and friends. Even your pets can enjoy a ride on the train. Offering daily trips, the weekend specials sell out fast. To secure your seat, book today at LeadvilleRailroad.com. Hi there, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce myself. My name is Avisha Scarborough, and I'm the host of Vail Vibes, a show about all the amazing stuff going on here in Vail and surrounding areas I'm gonna tell you all about so you don't miss a thing. And I just wanna say that I love being part of this community and it's an amazing place to be. Learn the latest in science each week and how it relates to everyday life. From space exploration, 
to plant biology. Amazing stories each week. Watch Science Now. At Revival Boutique Med Spa, we take an integrative and holistic approach to skincare, focusing on the bigger picture when treating our clients. We use only result-driven and science-based products that contain clean, organic, wild-crafted, and research-based ingredients. From injectables, facials, to body contouring, we offer anything related to looking your best self. Find us in the Riverwalk in Edwards. For a complete list of services, visit us online at RevivalVale.com. Follow us on Instagram at Valley. Fall in love with your skin again. There's lots to love at Revival. Mind. Body. Beauty. Lionshead Jewelers Fossil and Mineral Gallery. Located in the heart of Lionshead Village for over a decade, our 4,000 square foot gallery boasts a one-of-a-kind experience that cannot be found anywhere else in Vail. We carry the most exquisite array of fine jewelry, high-end minerals, and museum quality fossils. We invite you to come in and explore all the history and beauty that nature has to offer. You're watching K34QB, Vail, Colorado. Welcome to the second hour of your Sunday edition of Good Morning Vale on TV8. I'm your host, Liz. We're having a really wonderful Sunday just honoring women in athletics. We have our roundtable interviews with Mountain Perspective, and we're going to continue on with that for the second hour. So relax, enjoy your second hour of Good Morning Vale. Starts right now. have some great things going on in the community and fall is no different you always think that there's nothing going on but we have a lot of mark the dates for your calendar for instance if you're looking for a new dog for your home for the family well the eagle county 
Animal Control and Services are doing it again over at the Riverwalk Inn, and that is at the hotel right in Riverwalk, and they're going to have another big adoption thing for everybody to go on over, and it's going to take place on the 20th of this month from 4 to 6 p.m. Head on over there and look and see all these amazing dogs that are up for adoption. They do such a great job over there, and they take care of all these wonderful pets, and they just want to join you for a really special experience and a new life in the new home with you guys. So if you really want to get a doggy, that's a great day to do it. Go check them out. And you can always check out the Eagle County Animal Shelter and Services. They're located in Eagle, and they're just an amazing group of people. And we can't thank them enough for what they do for all of the animals that are either lost or found or stray or just looking for a home. So they're wonderful, and I'm really excited about that. And I want to remind everybody that there's some opportunities for the kids. There are two job shadowing opportunities for students through the Vail Health Hospital. So if you're looking for a career in health, this is something for you. You get to go into the patient care unit and you're going to get hands-on experience through the Eagle County School District. It's something really cool. We love to get our future generation all ready for their exciting futures. And that's what we do here in our community is take care of everybody. So we're going to take care of you and go check that out as well through the Eagle County School System. We have a great show. Lots more for your second hour. So sit back and relax. We'll be right back on Good Morning Vale right here, TV8. Did you know that all Eagle County residents and visitors can get a free Eagle Valley Library District card? All you need is a photo ID. You get our online databases and resources, free music, free streaming, all from wherever you have internet access. Free audiobooks and e-audiobooks straight to your phone. Go into your Eagle Valley Library District branch today and get your library card. When you're in Vail, you're in vacation mode, and you need a flexible home tour experience that fits into your schedule. We've transformed how you view and buy homes in the Vail Valley. With immersive, cutting-edge technology, you can explore properties 10 times faster. In our lounge, we guide you through this digital world on a 16-foot screen where you can imagine your next home in comparison to your favorite recreational spots. Say goodbye to multi-day home tours and hello to a quick stop between your other plans. That's the power of the immersion theater. Hi, I'm Gretchen Fleshaw, host of TV8 Vale. From fashion to food, from film to festivals, experience a unique look at the boutiques, spas, restaurants, and venues that make the Valley so special. Join me for Glitz and Glam. Find it in Good Morning Vale or at our website at tv8vale.com. I can't wait for our next adventure. Welcome to Street Magic. 
I'm Elizabeth Stanton with some of the most terrifying stunts, extraordinary extreme escapes, and the most amazing cutting edge magicians you'll ever see in one show. Get ready to have your mind turned inside out. The hand is definitely quicker than the eye. It's fake. <laughs> The first hour was so much fun with women in athletics. We're going to continue on in the second hour just to support all the women. We're going to go right back to the round table with Mountain Perspective right now. Welcome back to Mountain Perspectives. I'm your moderator, Kristen Ulmer. We're with this cast of characters, these <laughs> amazing women. And we're going to uh, now talk about public image, like how responsible are we for being good role models for other <clears throat> girls or just people in general? Um, what, Bailey, do you want to start with this? Yeah, uh, I'd say it's really hard. Um, with like social media, like I'm learning a lot especially as I'm kind of getting kind of up in the ranks a little bit more. Um, it's become, like, super important. Um, and, like, eyes are on you, you know. Um, I'm on this team that, like, um, our director, she really is encouraging that we are good mentors for the sport. And, you know, which is awesome. I love it. It's great. And it's so cool. It's cool to have the opportunity. Um, but, you know, so... You know, you got social media, and it's definitely, it's definitely challenging. Something you have to get used to. Something you have to also like. You want to portray like all these cool things, but sometimes you have to be like, all right, I can't show this. So it's like hard to always show your best self. And I think I'm learning to show not only the, my best self, but you know, that the other sides as well, um, which has been definitely interesting. And I think you know. It's it's pretty good. Like I've I've learned a lot about it, and it's hard, you know. But you know, you learn. <laughs> it's definitely hard. <laughs> right, and you're living in a different era. And actually, yeah. Megan, you are also in this era because you're currently being a professional athlete. Whereas mm -hmm. I'm more retired. You're more retired at this point, um, taking on different roles. You know, you're head of uh, Vail Golf Club. Yes. Am I saying that yes. right? And I'm a mindset sports coach, and so we're, we don't have to deal with sponsors anymore, but you guys are dealing with sponsors. Mm -hmm. and, and so right now the game is social media yeah. and having that presence. And, and what was so great in our era, we could just be selfish. We could just be yeah. just ourselves and, and, and uh -huh. focus on our goals versus having to be externally focused on, on your public persona. Yeah. Um, so that's an element of pressure and yeah. expectation especially because i assume you have sponsors oh, yeah. yeah yeah and that's that's the price of admission for sponsors yeah. now versus just being awesome yeah yeah i think like kind of uh what i've kind of taken away is showing that like you can't always be perfect it's okay to have you know bad races it's okay to you know it's okay to eat some treats here and there like not always be perfect and in ways like that and like show it. Um, I think sponsors like to see that you can overcome things and you can show your vulnerability to other people, which is kind of where I want to take my like social media and everything. I want everyone to, you know, feel comfortable and feel like they can relate because there are like, it's a very small percentage that I'm perfect all the time or 
you know, looking good on my bike all the time or, you know, all these things. Um, so I think making sure to be just real um, is really important. But, I mean, with sponsors and everything, it's, it's also kind of like part of the deal now. It's, on, it's kind of helped a lot of athletes get sponsors and keep sponsors and, you know, show. It's kind of, it's a good door. It's, you know, not always the best. It's hard to learn and figure out, but it's, it's a good door. It's a good opportunity to f get new sponsors, show people who you are. It's kind of your profile. Um, so there's good and bad. <laughs> So in the conversation about public image, I remember when I was first on camera giving my first interview, yeah. very beginning of my career. And I thought, okay, I have so many different sides to my personality. Yeah. <laughs> what, this is before social media, and I'm like, what part of me, you know, I had this very introspective sweet side, I had this kind of crazy wild side, yeah. you know, I, I had lots of other sides yeah. too. And, and there's also the caring and wanting to support other people's side. Um, that you're talking yeah. about, you know, wanting to send a positive message. And I, I, th I thought, the camera's pointed at me, I'm like, what part of me do I want to have my reputation be? And you know what I picked? What? Wild, crazy Kristen. <laughs> and, and it was wild, crazy, six, sexy Kristen, yeah. too. And, and it really worked for me. And so there are so many different choices. I think the obvious one is um, the sending the message that it's okay yeah. to be who you are and it's okay to eat that and it's okay to feel bad because I think that's the, probably the most helpful and the one that um, girls or just other people most need to hear. But we definitely always have choices, yeah. but that's the one that you choose. So why did you choose that? Because I'm sure you have a lot of other sides to your personality. When I was younger, I would have, like, I look up to the people that are like that and I would have wanted more girls like that. I would have liked to not have, you know, some people on social media and growing up with social media, it's it's hard to look at that and that's, oh, as a little kid, like, that's what you got to be. Like, no, I want someone to be like, oh, like, I can't, I'm looking forward to that. I feel like I don't need to be a certain person. I can be myself. I can do what my heart wants me to do. I can, you know, and everyone has their own way of doing things, you know, um, like the eating thing, for example, like, uh, you know, some athletes, you know, they're very strict about it, very, you know, got to be super lean, got to be super, and it's, it's great, it works for them, but it doesn't always work for everyone, and I think um, changing, like, people's perspectives is, like, you can be strong, you can be strong and do it how you want to, like, as long as you're strong, like, you can do it any way possible for that, and I think showing young girls, you know, that person to look up to that, I think it's important, because that's who I would have wanted to look up to, mm -hmm. so, okay, yeah. <laughs> so Megan, you're the obvious next person to talk mm -hmm. about this because you're also current and you also have a website called grit.com yes. <laughs> and so you're definitely focused on sending a message out to the world based on your life experience um, yeah. that you hope will impact people. Yeah, for sure. And it is interesting to me because I did not grow up with social media how everything has changed and to get any sort of sponsorship how much how important social media is. So I definitely had to learn that rule. And when I started out, I did feel like, okay, well, I just, I'm going to present this and this. And it was, I, I got some help and they helped me realize you need to show all sides and everything to what you're saying. I think we do have a responsibility for younger generations or any other female to help them feel comfortable in their skin. 
You can have all these different sides. I have like eight different personalities. I'm gonna show them all. I'm gonna show the good days and the bad days. And I do feel that responsibility, especially to women, because I think male and female athletes, to a big extent, are held to a different standard. And especially in the public eye. I think women are scrutinized so much more than men are. Men can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. And if a woman does, oh my gosh, you know, she, she's out. That needs to stop. We yeah. need to change the narrative. And so for me, on my social media, um, I really want to touch all the different things. Um, I touch a lot on neurodivergence and helping people that are dyslexic, ADHD, Asperger's, whatever it is, feel good about what they're doing and know that I have tough days with that, really tough days, and picking yourself back up again. Or I, I like to think of it, too, as, as far as getting sponsorship, I am 49 years old. I am not some, like, the young, upcoming years to go on that career and I also want women at whatever age they are feeling amazing about themselves and at any point you can start whoever you want to be and reach your full potential so it is important for me to do social media posts that maybe my makeup isn't perfect maybe no makeup on totally in a tent had on had been on for like 20 days and that was hard for me to allow all of that but I think to what you said, at any age, we we need to be comfortable with exactly who we are, and we need to help other people do that yeah. as well. And so, um, yeah, social media is has become a great tool to try to reach people um, and share those messages that that I've learned through the years of you know I think you. You being the, the I mean, I remember I used to be like the young hot thing and on the mountain and, you know, 25 years old, and now I'm the mama bear. And it's that <laughs> transition, especially as a woman, too, through your career to learn and embrace those new things. And I am trying my best to really share that on social media as well, just that, tr that transformation, that journey that I'm going through. Well, then let's talk about the... Um, <laughs> We are in male-dominated sports, every single golf, I mean, cross-country mountain biking, mountain climbing, skiing, like, <laughs> these are male-dominated sports. And there is, it's a completely different game being women, isn't it? Yeah. And when we're talking about sponsors, too, it's a completely different game. And, and how we present ourselves, like, we're expected to be soft and loving and nurturing and, you know, like, um, sh showing what's capable. You don't see that with like the Dennis Robinsons. They're just doing whatever the <laughs> heck they want, right? And uh, maybe I could come up with a more current example if you can think of one. But um, so the unique challenges as women in male-dominated sports and, uh, you know, these, you know, we're, we're fringe sports. You're a mainstream sport. Um, why don't we start with you talking about mainstream sports and, and being a big player in a male-dominated sports. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, it's hard. I, you know, I've been in the, I've been a member of the PGA now for 26 years, so a long time. And there's 28,000 members in PGA of America, and we're running golf courses, we're teaching the game, and um, it's still four percent ladies out of that number. So, and it was like that when I entered the PGA and started going through the process to become a PGA professional. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I want to support younger women that are trying to do what I'm doing now. I'm running the golf operation. It's very rare for women to be in my position. But I want to help young girls because it's not easy. You have to be very um, determined 
have, uh, you know, be, be okay with, you know, all the extraneous things coming at you. So, you know, I will say, I mean, I grew up playing with the boys on the golf course. I played on a college men's team with the guys and, you know, they were all super supportive of me. It wasn't, you know, they were all my good friends. They were very supportive, you know, and I've, I've had amazing support from the Colorado PGA section. Um, we're a pretty big section and, um, Two years ago, my peers nominated me to be the PGA Professional of the Year for 2021. And then it's a peer review, whoever gets, receives the award. So, and all those were men. I mean, there's about 35 women in our section out of almost 900 members. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's given me a lot of drive being, you know, as a female in this industry that's, that's not so you know, popular, but, you know, again, I've, I've received mentorship from other men professionals and, you know, we have, we have a great network and they, they always joke that it's a fraternity. I'm like, Hey guys, you know, Hey, <laughs> you know, what about me? So, uh, but I've, I've had great support and, um, I just would love to see more women, you know, getting into roles like myself and, and the PGA is trying, they're, they're doing a good job currently bringing some diversity into the game and trying to make golf look like our country, right? So it's not just a white man's sport. It really isn't. And, and the PGA, they're making strides. We're, mm -hmm. and all of us running operations, we're trying to do the same and be welcoming to women that want to get into the game and want to play. Megan was just saying she's just getting learning. into the game. So, <laughs> well, what, do you, uh, what do you think is preventing women from taking up golf? Even not not becoming professional golfers, but even taking up well, the sport. Well, you know, interestingly, COVID twenty twenty, that was an absolute game changer for women in golf. One year it took. So many women were entering the game, trying to coming back to the game, starting the game, but. I think one re it's an intimidating sport. So, you know, it is a male-dominated sport. It's intimidating. You feel like you go up to the first tee and all eyes are on you. Well, and hold on. All sports are intimidating to men or women. So what But about it's a recreational oh. sport that oh. where someone's, they don't, they're not really watching you, but you feel like when you're teeing off, hitting a shot, everyone's watching you. Oh, they're like, watching and they, you and they are. They are. They're totally. They're judging. They're watching, they're judging, they're commenting. I can go hike by myself. Oh, yeah, exactly. not hike by yourself. Ski, yeah. 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 Golf, everybody's yeah. watching. Right, so I think that's, that's a big piece of that yeah. intimidation factor. And um, I try and, you know, I teach all ages and really try and be encouraging and positive and, and say, don't worry about all those people not, watching. Not only are they watching, everybody's quiet. And everyone's quiet. <laughs> exactly. And the ball is just sitting there. <laughs> Nothing's, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to come back to this question. We're going to take a little break on mountain perspectives. We're going to come back in a little bit and continue discussing the challenges of being women athletes in male-dominated sports. See you in a little bit. Nap Harvest, your local marketplace for fresh, locally produced products. Our indoor farmer's market is open seven days a week, featuring locally grown organic produce, prepared meals, honey from our nap nectar hive, furniture, 
cutting boards, and much more. We source and sell locally grown and produced products from the Vale and Roaring Fork Valleys. Visit us at our new location in Eagle Ranch, 717 Sylvan Lake Road, next door to Color Coffee Roasters. Familia, estamos muy emocionados de por fin presentarles nuestro nuevo programa completamente en español, Conexión Latina, que se estrena este lunes 21 de agosto a partir de las 7 de la tarde. Por el momento, el programa se transmitirá los lunes, miércoles y viernes de 7 a 7 y media de la tarde, con una repetición de 7 y media a 8, así que no hay excusas para perdértelo. Te recuerdo que puedes sintonizar nuestra programación a través del canal 92 de Comcast, nuestra página web tva.com y nuestra página de Facebook TVA Conexión Latina. Acompáñanos en esta nueva aventura llena de información y entretenimiento local. No te lo pierdas. Andrea Jackson. Welcome to Life Love Shopping. How many personal stories you can share? Do I? <laughs> yes, I so, do. So even though you work for some good deals, too good to miss on flash deals. Now check this out. Studies show spending time outdoors can help with depression, lowering blood pressure, and overall health and happiness. When you're in Vail, you're in vacation mode, and you need a flexible home tour experience that fits into your schedule. We've transformed how you view and buy homes in the Vail Valley. With immersive, cutting-edge technology, you can explore properties 10 times faster. In our lounge, we guide you through this digital world on a 16-foot screen where you can imagine your next home in comparison to your favorite recreational spots. Say goodbye to multi-day home tours and hello to a quick stop between your other plans. That's the power of the immersion theater. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to continue right now with Mountain Perspectives at the Roundtable. Welcome back to Mountain Perspectives, where we have fascinating topics on subjects that involve mountain living. We are discussing uh, women in athletics, and we're right in the middle of a conversation about the challenges of being a woman athlete in male-dominated sports. So, Bailey, <laughs> your turn. What do you want to say about that? I Sky's mean, the limit. I remember the first time I joined my like high school mountain bike team. I just did it for... You know, I, I actually joined when I was in eighth grade, and my dad made me do it. And I was like, I didn't want to do it because it was like all boys. There were not really any girls, and they were all older. And I was like so scared, and I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And um, kind of similar to you, I, I kind of got in it, and they were supportive, and they pushed me, and they, you know, made me a better rider. And I did more things that I feared, and and 
because of that, it made me better, I think. Um, so that was, you know, being in that, they kind of push you a little bit. Um, I would say that I'm kind of so new to the sport that I don't really know, like, men and women, like, kind of how it, how different it is. I would say, like, definitely the men are definitely more televised, more sponsors. There are some professional teams that have more men than women, and they have, you know, there's one team that has, you have to have at least one woman, and they only have one woman. Like, seriously, you can't split it up or, you know, have more women. And <laughs> But, you know, it is how it is, and I think, but I do think more girls are getting into the sport because so many of the girls that do the sport are amazing, and, you know, they are very good mentors, and it's they're making it fun, and they're making it kind of, achievable in a way you know USA Cycling and you know a lot of these people these development teams are really helping girls and just even just young kids in general like come up and you know really want to do this and I think that's it's super cool um but I mean yeah I just I've not really with my sport I've had a lot of uh dealing with the men versus women but I would say that I I think it is kind of changing um, which is good. Um, I'm, I want it to be, obviously, we want, I mean, you want it to be even, but I would say that it's going in the right direction, which is good. It's changing in that more women are taking up these yeah. sports. And let's shift the conversation, too, into to sponsorship dollars. It's like, okay, from a marketing perspective, more men mountain bike, more men watch mountain biking races, mm-hmm. more men buy mountain biking clothes and yeah. shoes and, and all that. And so the marketing directors are marketing to men. And so then probably the men mountain bikers are getting more sponsorship dollars than the women mountain bikers. And and race, I don't know if you guys get. So the the question I have is, do you understand that and and it's okay or does it make you mad? Well, of course it makes me mad. I mean, I don't, that's not okay. I, you know... We, uh, in a World Cup, you race the same course as the men. It's the same amount of technical features. Everything's the same. You maybe do, like, one lap less. But, you know, it, it's just as hard. You're, like, the women are doing very crazy things, um, you know, just as crazy as the men are doing. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I want it to change, and it makes me angry, but... Um, I, I, like I said, I think it's changing. Um, and I think there's going to be more people watching the women because these women are, are starting to train with the men. They're starting to kind of come into the light. They're starting to show. And I think some companies and sponsors are seeing that and they want to support women, uh, especially in biking. So I think that, you know, it's changing a little bit and it should be good. <laughs> uh, so let's turn it to Megan. So sponsorships can be seen as support for the athlete, mm-hmm. but also sponsorship is a way for that company to have a reputation so that they can sell more product. And ultimately that's what these companies are doing is they're making strategic movements with their budget so that they can best be more profitable, and also be a pillar in their community for um, all things great regarding the sport. So there's a lot going on here with sponsorships. It's not just about support. It's about also, like, uh, marketing budgets and, and appropriate allocation of resources, mm-hmm. to be super technical about yeah. it. Like, I remember when I was 
a professional athlete, I actually made more money than the guys just because um, it was, uh, I was, I was selling the sport better. Mm-hmm. Not because they wanted to support me because I was a woman, but because I was just really good at selling the sport. And yeah. so that's what got me more money. Um, so it, it really is a, an interesting game. It's not so black and white as just support or no support. Yeah. It's about, like, what do you offer that company? Do you want to comment on this? Yeah, and, and it's a very good point. Because at the end of the day, uh, uh, whoever's sponsoring you, they, they have a business to run. They do need to think about it. I think what's changing now is it comes back to integrity and responsibility. I think certain corporations I've seen in news, I follow this quite a bit, are taking an initiative and made a decision that they will, they will absolutely split marketing dollars half and half. That is a huge thing for a corporation to do. And I think the reason is there are a lot of us who have been in sports or corporations or, or business that we are speaking up and asking for change. And women are getting in positions of power to help make change at these companies and make these initiatives go forward. I realize it was everything that's happened um, in soccer, too, about equal pay. Well, you guys don't, not as much money is made. Well, it's not being made as much because it's not spot, or you know marketed as much. We've got to start making some change for things to actually have an opportunity to become equal. And so it is little, little steps like this and asking and looking for corporations. I know since I also work for a major aerospace company, I also understand who, I, who does not sponsor me. Um, but I understand the other side of the business as well. And things that we go through within a corporation as far as equality. There are initiatives going on in corporations for um, inclusion, uh, for uh, you know equality and different things. And I don't want to say it's popular right now. It's actually just trending and there is change being made. So I applaud the corporations that really are taking a stance and making a, I think, an ethical decision to sponsor, but a lot of companies aren't. And it's just, like you said, we're moving in that direction. It doesn't happen overnight. So you have to keep going. And for going for sponsorship, a lot of times what I will do is I will approach a company of a product I actually use, and I put that in there, be like, this is a chance for you to support a female, and this can go towards your goals and mission statement at a company. and so, yeah, I, I do think that companies are starting to pay attention, but there's a long way to go between that marketing money being split equally between men and women. I'm thinking of Tom's shoes. Oh. And they, you buy a pair and they, they donate a pair. Mm-hmm. And wildly successful company. And so then I think of like the North Face. If they have equal sponsorships for men and women, then that might change the way people view that company ethically yes. and then be more inclined to buy from them. Yes. So um, kind of in the same genre. And mountaineering is, uh, you know, I was listening to the different examples. Um, I, I do like to make parallels between, you know, aerospace engineering and mountaineering, both very male-dominated. I went through aerospace very young, uh, through college. My first job, I was paired with a, a gentleman getting ready to retire. He literally told me to my face, I don't think women belong here. I'll make sure you're out within a month. Um, I was like, wow. I luckily had an amazing mentor and feminist, my father, uh, who was in aerospace. I could just call him all the time, like from the bathroom, and be like, what am I supposed to do with this? 
It's like, be professional. Here's how we handle it. Okay. So I had great guidance. And the next job I had was with a gentleman who, oh my gosh, he was 45, which seems so old at the time, <laughs> but he was going through a divorce. And so that was being sexually harassed. How do I deal with this one? So very young in my career, I got over how to deal with men professionally very quickly and um, learn my voice to be strong. So by the time I really got into mountaineering, wasn't even an issue for me. But you show up day one on a bottom of a mountain or a new job in aerospace, they're gonna make it, they size me up, there's no way she's gonna be able to do this. In aerospace, even though if I do a really good job, they can still kind of say, well, she had help or whatever it is. Mountaineering, there is no denying my summit. There's no denying that I carried just as much as you, 20, 220 pound guy. There's no denying the fact that I was faster than you. And I have, at the end of a mountain, I have had so many men who thought they had me sized up be like, I want to apologize to you. Uh, you just kicked my rear. And I'm like, well, thank you, good sir. <laughs> but that's one thing I love. And the mountaineering industry is really, they're changing. There are so many feminist men and women in mountaineering and all the logistic companies have these huge initiatives to try to attract more women. They want half females on their teams. And I'm loving what they're doing, like RMI, climbing the seven summits, Alpine Ascents. They're really taking change and trying to get women into the field um, and to enjoy the outdoors. So it's really, I'm really happy to be a part of that community. The, the progress has been profound, yeah. and it's still growing. I, I also want to introduce a, a little awkward conversation to this, because um, I, I want to tell a story. When it was probably the late 90s, and I was fully sponsored, super famous, you know, hosted my own television show, monthly columns in four different ski magazines around the world. Like I was at the top of my game and one of my sponsors invited me to Arizona because they wanted to discuss my sponsorship. And I got there and we went out to dinner, picked me up at the airport, uh, checked in the hotel. We went out to dinner and he was very, you know, the market, this is the marketing director and um, dropped me off at my hotel. He had had a couple drinks and tried to force himself into my hotel room and was just grabbing at me. I'm like, what? Like, wh how is this even possible that this is happening, given where I am in my life right now? And I just, at the time, like when the Me Too campaign came out, I'm like, oh, geez, do I? I have like 50 stories, not like that, but just in my life, not necessarily professional career, but this was a sponsor of mine. And it's crazy to think about that. And I just like, God, please, and slammed the door on him and almost broke his arm. But and he kept calling me and, I mean, like, it was upsetting at the time, and just reflecting back on that now, could something like that happen today without me calling the police? Probably not. But I didn't back then. This is the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And so there's also progress made there. Yeah. And yes. I don't know if you guys have had any weird experiences with sponsors, or, I mean, it's like the proverbial casting room couch. Like, it's hard to get sponsors in these fringe sports. There's a lot of different people that are submitting proposals. And, uh, you know, that stuff does happen. I don't know if it still does. I assume it does. But well, I get more worried about the younger women who are facing things. Again, I'm at an age, and I, I have my strength. I have my voice. 
if anyone even tried anything, I'd be, I, it, no, I would come at him like a spider monkey. Like it, and, <laughs> but for yeah, young, that's yeah, what I did. Yeah, yeah. I almost broke his arm. But, for, <laughs> but think about what that does to any female, not just in sports, but degrades their confidence in their skill and who they are. It is, it is damaging. That didn't happen to me though. So yeah. not necessarily. And actually, this is a good segue into the next question. Like. Is our, I mean, we are obviously four very powerful, strong, confident women. Is this innate in us or did we have to work really hard to get here? Because for me, that moment was like, oh, hell no. Like it was such a, it didn't make, it didn't make me cower. It made me be like, right, like flicking away an ant. And, but that felt innate for me. That's just who I am. But for other women, that may actually degrade their confidence. Also, so, yeah. so how about you guys? Is your confidence and power and strength innate, or have you had to work at it? Why don't we start with you, Bill? For me, I mean, I've always been, like, a super independent, you know, I, I would say I'm pretty confident in myself. Like, I don't feel the need to be in people's presence all the time. Like, I don't feel the need to be, you know, looked at by other people. Like, I'm not, I'm not a big, like, I don't go to parties. I don't go to all that stuff because I'm content with myself. I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with my life. I'm... You know, I'm pretty confident in that. And I'd say, you know, I luckily haven't had many experience or no, no experiences like that. Um, so, but I, I would think, you know, after hearing experiences and seeing how that has affected people, I would say that I would be confident enough to, you know, to be strong in myself and be able to say, you know, have my own voice, like you were saying. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so... Alice, do you want to weigh in? Sure. You know, I think it's a little bit of both. I was the youngest of four in our family. I was daddy's little girl. We spent so much time together. So I think he helped give me a lot of confidence. You know, I'm sure I, I feel like I was born with, you know, some of that as well. Um, but my dad was my hero and taught me so many things and gave me so much confidence. So, um I think, and I never had any situations like you were speaking of. Um, you know, I worked with a group of guys at the Singletree Golf Course. It's now Sun Up. And in today's world, the stuff, the talk in there probably would have been sexual <laughs> harassment. But I was like, oh, you know, I just kind of was like, yeah, guys, that's really funny. And I just kind of, <laughs> you know, it was, I didn't feel, you know, that they were, doing anything that they shouldn't have been doing at that time, but it wouldn't fly in today's business mm -hmm. at all. Um, but I think that confidence is, you know, I, you build that over time and your experiences, life experiences, you know, whatever's thrown at you. So I think it's a little bit of both. And the comments that I think about, I, I, my dad was a huge, my mom and my father, I attribute everything I am to having a really wonderful upbringing. And my dad gave me that strength to believe in myself. And I think that's, um, I th of course, any parent just being loved, that's, I'm so grateful for that. But really, yeah, my dad helping me understand, like, you can be an engineer if you want to. You can climb that mountain if you want to. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I definitely, I know that mine was, having that, but also really, again, having to deal with a learning disability growing up, that taught me to have that drive and keep going and never give up. And when everyone else told me I couldn't, I said I could. So I think by the time I got older, I was able to either 
you know, avoid, dodge and weave. And then actually the Me Too movement, I think, was so empowering for all women that we don't have to just ignore it anymore. We could actually say, like, we could say something about it and really speak up. And I think that's, that's really important. And, and, you know, I think we have that strength that's built, but not every woman, and you never know until you're in a situation. You'd think yeah. you would act a certain way, but I never want to judge and and. And I'd like to know how I'd act, but you never know. I mean, I guess I know at this age. Yeah, I could, I, same thing, like, see you later. <laughs> but when I was younger, and if it's your only, you know, your only sponsorship, and what if I lose this, and what do you do? And those just are just not situations someone should have to be in. End of story. Well, I feel like now there's a lot of education, like, for me. Like, oh, we've gone through safe sport. Like, every single person oh, wow. associated with USA Cycling has to do safe sport. Like, it is very, very, very big, and you have to, every year, uh, go back and do the training again. And so it's, like, it's been very, like, recognized, I think, at my age, and there's been a lot more education on it. So that's why I think it's kind of, you know, less and less. And, you know, like like the instance you were saying when, you know, you things probably wouldn't have passed now, what, what happened then is, like, and, you know, it's it's different now because we have training and we have rules and people have become aware of it and spoken up about things like that's that. Great. So I think, like, that's awesome, wow. which has been good. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. All right. Loving this conversation. Let's take a quick break. Mountain Perspectives will come back, and I have one more really, really juicy question to ask these wonderful women. <laughs> See you in a bit. Join me on Elizabeth Stanton's Great Big Worlds. Find out where I'll be going next and which celebrities I'll be bringing along with me. I'll show you amazing destinations with lots to explore, and you'll get to know my celebrity guests the way they really are, up close and personal. We'll travel the world, experience new cultures, and together, try to make a difference. I'm Elizabeth Stanton, saying the world's a big place, and I'm going to show it to you. up this season on Ready, Set, Renovate, real homeowners tackle really big renos. Welcome to the ugliest house in the neighborhood. <laughs> the wild ride from before to after. If we go to the tile store one more time, only one of us is coming out alive. <laughs> well, I didn't know he was going to do all that. Between the budget and the timeline, it's makeover madness.
It's such a pleasure today on this Sunday to really respect all the women in athletics. Let's continue on with the roundtable discussion with Mountain Perspectives. Welcome back to Mountain Perspectives, our panel of women in athletics. Um, we, you know, I, I want to introduce, because I'm a, a fear and anxiety expert. Um, I wrote a book called The Art of Fear, and fear is my most fascinating. Like, I walk the earth, and I'm just so curious about people's relationship with fear. So I want to ask you guys about your relationship. And I want to bring into the uh, topic of conversation the nature versus nurture because I've kind of been hinting, hinting upon that this entire discussion. It's like, did we come out of the womb this way? And, and then, of course, we're influenced by people that are important in our lives. You know? and, and then, of course, it makes it easier if you're, if you're positively influenced. And it's just maybe a little bit harder if we're negatively influenced by parents or society or all, men even, um, or the industry or sponsors. But are we innate risk, risk takers? Are we innately drawn like moths to a flame, like towards fear or towards things that are, um, and when I say fear, I don't mean scared or afraid. I mean like things that are gonna be out of our comfort zone, like a willingness to feel fear because it is a big deal to take up golf. It's crickets, quiet, everybody's watching, right? Endurance, mountain biking, like just mountain biking alone, my gosh, it's super scary, dangerous. I, I'm not even going to, I mean, we, <laughs> Everest and all that. Um, and then the big mountain extreme skiing, like for me, extreme means the consequences of failure were death or severe injury. So we are all risk takers here. And anyone that lives in a mountain town is innately going to be a risk taker. And that means, in my mind, as a fear expert, that means they're innately <clears throat> willing to feel fear or invite more fear into their lives. So I want to know what your relationships are with fear. And maybe we can start with you. Uh, fear all day, every day. Like, I, <laughs> my mom actually told me she thinks I was born without the fear gene. Um, but it, but it, it was, yes, I think there's always a component of born a certain way, but I, I lived with fear every single day growing up being called an idiot, being called retarded, stupid. I grew up in a brilliant family, and my family treated me well, but everyone else told me, you'll, you'll never, you won't get a, a degree, you'll never do this, you'll never do this. So I think I lived fear every single day. Are they going to call me to read? Are they going to call me? And so I don't know any, I didn't know any different. And you just worked harder than everyone else. That's what my mom always told me. That's how I grew up. So then I would take on new challenges and new challenges and new challenges. And of course you feel like, oh gosh, how am I going to get through this? But you get through it. And that becomes addictive. That, that rush of, I just made it through that. And then you start to seek out those challenges. And like every expedition I go into, I cannot wait the to meet the woman that comes out the other end because it's not going to be me right here. Because I will have pushed... I will have gone through something, I will have struggled, and I will change, and I will morph, and I'll be better. And so, it, yes, I look for challenge, I look for struggle, I look for fear. And that started as being that little kid that was so afraid of not being good enough. And that is who, ha who has created who I am today. So many childhoods are like that. Yeah. 
too. Yeah. Whoa. You know, and that's why your website, because that's what worked for you. It's like, yeah. and and I just the the amount of perseverance that you have to have in order to have dyslexia and become an aerospace engineer, never mind the rest. Like that's amazing. I was on the nice five-year plan for college. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to lie about you're, that. You're willing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're willing to I feel a fear. I had to repeat a couple classes. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, but you kept going. Yes, you get back the up. The failures. You get back up. You lick your little wounds, and you keep going. Yeah. And that's something I think that we definitely all share is that ability to pick ourselves back up and try again. Like, you have to have that. Uh, yeah, you like choose it. You have to choose it. The song by Pink. Oh, try, yeah. try. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Alice. Whoa, I I don't know if I could answer that question. <laughs> Megan's response there. That was amazing. You know, that's it's a deep question. You know, I hadn't really thought about it that much, and um, certainly when I was competing, yeah, I had a fear of not succeeding. So that was that was ongoing all the time. In my mo most recent time, uh, I have a good story about fear. I'm well. I've always been afraid of heights, so, and I, I that was a gift from my mother, and uh, <laughs> and I've tried ongoing to overcome that. But I was diagnosed with MS in 2006 April, and when I got that diagnosis, I could barely walk around the block, and that's that's the real story. So Jimmy Huga is a big uh, hero of mine because he lived his life. It's what I can do. It's not what I can't do. The only thing I had to give up was ice hockey, which is my most favorite sport ever, and I just couldn't play it anymore. But on the fear side, so I actually took a trip to the Swiss Alps in 2016, and I did some mountaineering. We navigated a very narrow uh, ridge. It was steep on both ends. I'm scared of heights. So we're all tied together. You know, I've got skis on my backpack, crampons, and I'm like, wow, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm up on this ridge, and everyone was supportive of me. But when I completed that, and I was turning 50, that was my 50th birthday gift to myself, to put myself outside my comfort zone. And by doing that was the first time in maybe my whole life that I actually put myself in that position. And I had MS, and it was a very demanding trip. Succeeded. It changed my life. It changed my everyday life and perspective of everything I do. So I applaud, Megan, for you doing that and pushing yourself and keep doing what you're doing. Um, but that was a big game changer for me. So just, and I know we're talking about different types of fear, but that was... I mean, now I'm not as afraid of heights, actually. And I just operate differently every day. <laughs> the journey of understanding ourselves includes understanding our relationship with fear and navigating it throughout the entirety of our lives. And how fear manifests for you is different from how it manifests for me and you know, for all of us. And the conversation about our relationship with fear, I think, is almost the most important conversation of all because it really shows us who we are as people. And not that we can overcome fear, but our relationship with fear pretty much determines everything. If you're a fear avoider, you don't take risks and you don't take up these sports or certainly get to this higher level. Um, Bailey, what, do you, what is your relationship with fear? I mean, overcoming fear definitely takes practice. Um, I think, you know, like both these ladies have said, like it's, you know, 
doing something that scares you is kind of what makes you realize, oh, like I can do more things and I can do things that I'm scared of doing or fear because I've done it before and I've gone through it. And like, <clears throat> no matter what happens, you get through it. And, you know, but it can be anything like it can be trying a new feature on the course or fear of failing or it can be like, honestly, fear of letting people down, like everything, like all these different things. But I think letting go of that outside noise and just kind of overcoming it and, you know, doing what scares you and realizing that, wow, I'm capable of a lot more than I thought and keeping that confidence and carrying that forward with things that are going to be scary in the future, I think is important. So, yeah. Yeah. And it all starts with a willingness to feel fear in the first yeah. place. Mm -hmm. It's very true. Well, um, it's been amazing talking to you women. Um, and I want to thank the audience for staying with us uh, on this important, big, gorgeous subject. Um, I want to thank all of you, Bailey, Alice, Megan, for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so, thank you. Yeah, thank you. So please stay tuned to this channel for more um, mountain perspectives, lots, of, lots more conversations in the making to come. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for tuning in today for your Sunday edition of Good Morning Vale right here on TV8. I'm your host, Liz. I had a wonderful weekend. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. And we had a great show today all about women in athletics. So if you are an empowered woman and you want to be in athletics, this is the total place to be in the Vale Valley. Again, everybody have a great week. We will see you guys throughout the entire week. And don't forget about the Vale Farmers Market today and the art show. Maybe I'll see you out and about. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. I'll see you again next Saturday right here on Good Morning Vale. When you're in Vail,